Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. And what an awesome day it is to be in church. You know, there are certain occasions in our calendar which are extra special. A certain days that just have that extra, just extra awe and appeal about them. Like the, the day maybe you got married. Maybe the day one of your children was born. Maybe a special birthday or the day you graduated university. But I tell you, there is something extra special about Good Friday, isn't there? Like if you're a Christian, when you wake up in the morning, you just wake up with an extra level of intention, an extra level of leaning in. You're ready, you're excited because you know there's something extra special about today. And you know what? There is a very good reason for that. It's because today, today marks the moment where the greatest act of love the world has ever known was committed by Jesus Christ when He willingly laid His life down on a cross so that you and I could experience life and life abundant. There's a verse I wanna share with you around this morning. Uh, it's found in Romans chapter five, verse six. And this is something Paul writes about you and I. He says this. He says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. When we were utterly helpless, when we were beyond being able to save ourselves, when there was absolutely nothing we could do to get us out of the predicament that we were in, when all hope was lost, right at that very moment, Christ came and died for us. I remember when I was much younger, uh, my parents took us to the Aquatic Centre, the Adelaide Aquatic Centre uh, in the city there. And, um, and we'd been swimming most of the afternoon and it was towards the end of the day, so we were packing up to leave. I remember going to the change room, getting changed into my dry clothes. And it must've been a fairly cool day that day because I remember I was wearing jeans and a jumper and I came back to where our gear was, sitting next to the pool to pick up our stuff and head home. And as I looked across the water, I saw in the middle of this pool full of people, there was this a little baby. I think it was a little baby girl. She's probably about 12 or 18 months old. And she was in one of those rubber rings and she was just floating in the middle of the pool. And it seemed like her sister, probably about eight or nine years old, was looking after her. And I just happened to catch um, a, a sight of this little baby at the moment where she reached over the side of her floaty and all of a sudden flipped upside down and where the whole top half of her body was underwater and her legs were just kicking up in the air. And at that moment, I, it took me a couple of seconds to realise what was going on and then I, I realised this baby doesn't have the ability to be able to turn itself back up the right way. And so I start like on the side of the pool, I'm like trying to yell and I'm waving my hands trying to get the attention of her sister, yet her sister's back is to me and this was an indoor swimming pool, so everyone's yelling and playing and splashing and she couldn't hear what I was saying. And this goes on for about 20 seconds. It felt like ages where this baby's just completely, her head is completely underwater. And so I did the only thing that I thought that I could do in that moment. I jumped into the pool and fully clothed, I swam out to that baby, right? And I took that baby and I flipped it back up the right way 
And I handed it to her sister and she had no clue what was going on, just sees this young kid in clothes handing the baby back to her. And then she takes the baby back to his mum who had no idea what was going on either. But thankfully that day we saved the baby, but I went home completely soaking wet. But when Paul writes in Romans 5, 6 that we were utterly helpless, he is reminding us of the fact that before Christ came and died for us, we were in a situation just like that baby was, where we had the inability to stop ourselves from drowning. We might not have been drowning in water, but we were drowning in our sin. Romans 3 verse 23, it tells us, for everyone has sinned. We have all short, uh, fall short of God's glorious standard. That word everyone in the original Greek, it means everyone. There's not a single person alive that has not fallen short of God's glorious standard because God's glorious standard is perfection and none of us, including myself, are perfect. We all make mistakes, we all do things that are wrong, we all have a bias towards sin because of our fallen nature and the issue with that is that Romans 6 verse 32 tells us for the wages or the penalty of sin is death. In other words, complete and utter separation from God and all that is good. So before Christ died upon the cross, our destiny was to be separated from God forever. Before he died upon the cross, the only path laid before us was one where we were headed for hell, where we'd be totally isolated from God and tormented forever. And in terms of being able to help ourselves to change that situation, we were utterly helpless. But then Christ came. And then he died on the cross in our place. And suddenly for the first time, it opened up an, another opportunity, an opportunity for us to take hold of a life full of hope, full of joy, full of peace, one where we would not end up separated from God, but we would be connected to Him forever and we would live in eternity in heaven with Him, amen. You see, of all the things that Good Friday is, the one thing that I believe it is meant to be above everything else, it is meant to be a day where we praise and worship Jesus for how good He has been to us, amen. And see, the reason I felt to remind us this morning that before Christ came, we were utterly helpless was because I believe that often the height of our praise and worship is determined by our understanding of just how helpless we were. In Luke chapter seven, Jesus is invited over to the house of a Pharisee by the name of Simon. He's invited over for dinner. Now, Pharisees, unfortunately, they used to walk around with a pretty self-righteous attitude. They used to think that they were better than everybody else. They looked at, used to look down on other people. They used to point out all their faults and mistakes and, and they would think that they were perfect and they would think that they had uh, some you know, extra level of favour and blessing from the Lord because of the way that they acted. 
Of course, they weren't right in that observation. But when this Pharisee invites, this Pharisee Simon invites Jesus over to his house for Jesus for dinner, Jesus obliges. Now, it's not because Jesus, you know, adhered to their way of thinking. It's because Jesus knew that everybody needs saving, including Simon. And so Jesus goes over to their house for dinner and Jesus is sitting at the table. As Jesus is sitting at the table, the Bible tells us that this woman, a certain woman, comes walking into the room holding a very expensive jar of perfume. Actually, the Bible doesn't call her a certain woman, it calls her an immoral woman. Now, we don't know why she's given that label, but we can imagine that it must have been because in her life she made some pretty unhealthy choices. She had lived a a pretty sinful life. And so she heard that Jesus was at this home and so she comes into the room with this expensive jar of perfume and she kneels down at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible says that she begins to weep and tears begin to stream down her face and fall upon the feet of Jesus. And as the tears hit the feet of Jesus, the Bible says she takes her hair and she wipes his feet. And she begins to kiss his feet and she begins to anoint his feet with this very expensive perfume. Now you can imagine if you're sitting at the table and you're having dinner and someone comes in and does that, you're gonna have something to say about it. You're certainly gonna have an opinion about it. And Simon certainly did. And it says this in Luke chapter seven, verse 39. It says, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, He would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And Jesus proceeded to tell Simon this story. He says, Simon, there was a man who lent two people some money. One man, he lent 500 pieces of silver Another, he lent 50 pieces of silver. But when it come to the time when they had to pay this man back, neither of the men could afford to do so. Now, this man was in his rights to be able to punish them for not being able to pay them back. But instead of doing that, he forgave them. He paid the debt for them and he canceled their debts. And then he says to Simon a question. He says, Simon... Who of the two men do you suppose loved this man more after that? And Simon thought for a moment, and this is what he replied in Luke 7, verse 43. He says, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. 
When I read this recently, I said to myself, what does my worship express to God? Because when I think about my life, when I look back at where I was, when I look back at how far I have fallen short of God's standard, when I look at the bad choices that I made, the things that I've done wrong and I stand here today and I think about what Jesus Christ did for me, do you know what I recognise? I too have been forgiven much. In fact, I have been forgiven more than I am even aware. And when I consider this, how can I not worship Jesus with my whole heart? Because He is worthy of my highest praise and worship and glory and honour, amen. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. You know, I find it most fascinating about this statement that it tells us that Jesus died for us when we least deserved it. When we least deserved it. He didn't didn't lay down His life for us when we had earned it. He did it when we least deserved it. That's amazing. I mean, it's one thing to lay down your life for somebody who is for you. It's another thing altogether to lay down your life for someone who is against you. I remember when I was about 10 years old, um, me and I got a twin brother, by the way, if you didn't know, that's right. When God made me, He said, another one. Anyway, I got a twin brother. And, uh, And when I was 10 years old, it was our birthday party and our parents had booked time zone, right? Now, if you grew up when I grew up, if I was in the 80s in that time, <laughs> our time zone was amazing. If you don't know what time zone is, it was like the best video game arcade that you could go to. It was unbelievable, right? And my parents booked this time zone. We had a lock-in session and this was at the time when the best games were coming out, right? There was Street Fighter, there was NBA Jam. You know, there was Daytona, there was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, it was unbelievable, right? Kids, you don't know anything how good these games are. <laughs> these games are so good, right? And um, so they booked Time Zone for us and we got to invite a number of our friends from school. And so me and my brother, we sat down, we worked out who we were gonna invite. We handed out the invitations and, and um, we couldn't wait for that. I was so excited and I can, I can remember it so much. And I remember the big day came and... and uh, <laughs> And we were at time zone and me and my brother were just inside the door and we were waiting for people to rock up. And as our friends rocked up one by one, they'd come in and they'd say hello to us and, and they'd hand us each a gift. And like as a 10 year old boy, you're like, this is the best party ever, you know, to get gifts is like, you just absolutely love it. It was awesome. And um, so we're standing there and I'm thinking, this is the best day I've ever had in my short little life, right? <laughs> And one of the last guests that we've invited to arrive, to arrive uh, was a guy named Billy. Now, his name wasn't Billy. I've changed it, and you'll find out why in just a moment, right? But one of the last guys to arrive, his name was Billy. And Billy comes into the door. Now, Billy, he, he was a good friend of my brother 
Um, but me and him, we didn't, like, we didn't hang out that much, which was quite unusual because me and my brother, we used to have the same sort of circle of friends. Obviously, me and my brother are best friends growing up together. And, and so we had a lot of the same friends, but um, Billy was in my brother's class, and so they were close, but we didn't really know each other heaps well, but, um, but I thought he was okay. Anyway, he comes in on this particular day, and he comes through the door, and he walks he sees the both of us, he walks straight up to my brother, he says hello, and he gives my brother a gift. He looks at me, says nothing, then runs off and starts playing the games, all right? And at that moment, I realized Billy's rocked up to my party, or our party, but he's deliberately only bought my brother a present, and not me. Now, I would love to say that I gave Billy a pass that day. You know, I was just so excited, right? I'm like, oh, this is the best day ever, whatever, doesn't matter, right? But I remember feeling pretty upset. I remember thinking, who does that? I couldn't believe that you could be so rude. I mean, I, you had been invited to our party. You're gonna enjoy our food. You're gonna play our games. And yet you deliberately only bring my brother a present. Right? You know, as a 10-year-old kid, that, I was hurt by that. And I can tell you, I didn't like Billy that much after that day. And I definitely wasn't going to invite Billy to any more of my birthday parties. And it's not like I'm still harboring that 32 years later. But I can tell you this. If someone had told me back then that in order for Billy to live, I had to lay down my life, I would have said, well, Billy, you should have bought me a present. Because <laughs> you're on your own, buddy. But church, aren't you glad that Jesus didn't think about us like that? that he didn't weigh up first if we deserved it, if we'd earned enough of his forgiveness to receive it, that he didn't look at us and say, okay, yeah, yeah, you've done enough to get my favour. But, but I'm just so glad that he didn't wait for that because he knew we could never earn it or deserve it. We could never have done enough to receive it. Instead, he said, I know you can't earn it. I know you'll never deserve it but I love you so much, I'm gonna give it to you anyway. No wonder Ephesians 3.18, it says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. It's too great to wrap your head around His love. It's too hard for even the, the most intelligent mind to comprehend how amazing His love is. Do you know what that means? It means that Christ's offer of salvation, His offer of salvation that He won for us at the cross is available to everyone to receive. It's not just for a select few. It's not just for some special group over here. That doesn't exist in God's eyes. It is available for every single person. 
It doesn't matter what you have done in your past. It doesn't matter what mistakes you have made. It doesn't matter how far you have fallen short of God's glorious standard. No one can fall too far that His grace can't reach out and pick them back up and set their feet on solid ground and give them a new hope and a new future. His salvation is available to every single person. You don't have to measure up to a certain standard. You don't have to reach a certain level of perfection because you can't, none of us can. Jesus did it for us. Instead, all you have to do, all you have to do to move from death to life, from uncertainty to certainty, from defeat to victory, is to simply say, Jesus, I believe in You and I accept Your forgiveness that You won for me on the cross. I know it seems too easy. It seems like we should do more, but it isn't. He did it all. And He said, it is finished. There's nothing else to do. It's all been done. That's why Romans 10 verse 9, it simply says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you, and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer, and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. 
You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you. And we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.